Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell. Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. So I've got to tell you guys a lot of exciting news happening right now among people in Hollywood who are Christians, right? You've got Chip and Joanna Gaines. They've announced that they're coming back with Fixer Upper. They're bringing another season back to uh, the forefront. I guess it's going to be on their new Magnolia channel. And so that will be coming. And you can actually watch a video about that and read about that over on the Pure Flix Insider over at insider.pureflix.com. And, you know, that's, that's not the only news. There's lots of other interesting news. We've got Chris Pratt welcoming a baby into the world. He just had a baby girl, Lila Maria Schwarzenegger Pratt. Um, he and his wife, Catherine, welcomed that baby into the world. And what was kind of cool about it is that Chris turned to Instagram and on Instagram actually shared some scripture. He shared Psalm 126.3, which reads, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. He also posted Psalm 127.3-4, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And it's just really sort of fascinating to watch Christians in Hollywood, people who are in mainstream Hollywood who are sharing their faith. And so to see that was pretty cool. And then we've also got, I mean, that's not the only celebrity story. We had a really, I thought, a thought-provoking and interesting post from K.J. Appa. You may know him from I Still Believe. He was a star of that film, and that was the movie about Jeremy Camp. But um, J, I'm sorry, K.J., he actually posted on Instagram a really powerful image. It just said, Jesus is our hope. But then he he wrote something in that that I think is worth reading, and I'm just going to read this to you guys. Again, this is a guy who's in Hollywood. He was in I Still Believe, but he's also been in Riverdale, which is a show on CW. Here's what he had to say about Jesus. He wrote in the caption on Instagram, To me, Jesus represents love, empathy, acceptance. To me, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. To me, Jesus means redemption. To me, Jesus means change. To me, Jesus means I'm not perfect. To me, Jesus means I can unlock my truth. To me, Jesus is my answer to evil, and there is evil. I just thought, Man, that is an interesting post. It got almost 11,000 comments on Instagram and was liked almost a million times. And so here's the deal. I think a lot of times it's easy to be critical of people in Hollywood, um, especially when they're Christians who might do projects that you don't agree with, or maybe their their theology seems off. And I'm not saying that this is the case for the people I've mentioned here today. I'm saying in general, what we're seeing is a giant move in entertainment where there are people with very big names like Justin Bieber and Chris Chris Pratt, who are openly talking about faith and Christianity. And man, that is amazing. At a time when we're hoping to see faith come to the forefront, at a time when we are really just praying for people to find Christ, to have that happening in Hollywood is truly powerful. So let's take time, rather than 
criticizing and going after people, to stop and pray for them, and to really just rejoice in the fact that that we are seeing people make positive moves towards Jesus. And so head over to insider.pureflix.com. You can read about all the stories I just mentioned and plenty of others. We've got stories about Candace Cameron Bure. We've got stories of heart change. Uh, there is just so much going on over on our blog at insider.pureflix.com. So now I want to dive into our interview for today. And what I love about this interview, it's with an actor named Luke Benjamin Bernard. He's the star of a movie called The Favorite. You might have seen this film over on Pure Flix. Now, The Favorite is really... It's based on true events, and it's about physical and spiritual transformation. It's about two brothers who really are quite different, and there's a little bit of rivalry going on with these brothers, and a tragic accident really changes everything. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's a powerful film that really goes into so many themes that can help us in our own journeys. And... What is so interesting, though, about this movie? We don't always get a chance to see behind the curtain. What is it that inspired a movie? What's crazy about this is that Luke Benjamin Bernard, the star of the film, he also wrote the movie. And beyond that, he actually went through a death-defying accident. He almost lost his life in a car accident. And that is the basis of the movie. It's the plot of this movie. Um, His character... Uh, is not the person who goes through that in the film. It's his brother, but but it's a story that is personal to him because it happened to him. He went through those injuries and then overcame it. He could have been in a vegetative state, overcame the accident, went on to write this film, act in it, and perform. And so he shares this incredible story. I mean, again, he is a walking miracle in real life, and here he is to talk to us about the favorite. So I'm super excited to welcome Luke to the Pure Flix podcast. Hey, Luke, how's it going today? I'm doing great today. How are you? I am doing well. So we've got a lot to talk about. I actually just learned your your life story, the things you've gone through the other day. And I'm like, I've got to reach out to Luke. I was watching your movie, The Favorite, and um, I had no idea about the backstory. I had no idea that this film, how it was inspired and what you went through, um, so I guess I, I want to start with March 9th, uh, 2013. You went through a life-changing accident. Can you just take us through what happened that day? Um, so that day I was a server at Season 62 restaurant. I worked a double shift. Then I went and worked out. And then I met um, some friends and coworkers at a bar um to have a few and then i was going to a friend's co-workers place a group of us um we were going to sleep there and run uh 5k the color run the next morning so a lot of activity in that course of that day um and what happened was i didn't know how to get to this person's place uh I know people are not going to like this, but I, I was texting, where is this place? How do I get there while well, I was driving? So I know that flack of texting and driving. So all that. Which everybody is guilty. I, I think everybody is guilty of it, right? I, and that's the thing. You know, the texting and driving is one of those things. But to admit it, by the way, I think is uh, is kind of cool to hear you admit that. And I think all of us, when you ask people, do you text and drive? A lot of people say they do. So it's a, it's a lesson in that, right? But anyway, continue. Yeah. Especially if you're you're lost and you're the person yep. who knows. I mean, I mean, I I know people are gonna say you should have called instead, but I mean, 
it's what happened. And so, and then I will, um, I believe through the course of the day and things like that, that I, and it was like two, 3 a.m. in the morning or something like that. I believe I fell asleep at the wheel uh, and my car veered off the road, hit fire hydrant, newsstand, and eventually uh, finally a, a tree. And um, so that's how the accident happened. Um, I know a lot of people are curious, like, how did the accident happen? So that's that's how it happened. Uh, and I suffered um, two broken vertebrates, facial fracture, rib fracture. Um, wow. And they took me to the hospital and uh, the CT scan showed that I had um, – I think it's called an epidural or whatever, but uh, they could tell that I, I suffered a traumatic brain injury and I had two blood clots on the outside of my brain. So they performed a uh, surgery, a uh, craniotomy, I believe it's called, to remove a piece of my skull to allow my brain to swell because of the brain injury. My brain was going to swell and it needed the room and also to remove the blood clots. Wow. So that's a lot of uh, yeah. information. And uh for medical people, um, I was uh, GCS of three with dilated and fixed pupils. That's the Glasgow Coma Scale. Um, just um, that the medical people, they they go off of the, this scale, um, rating people of like response to pain, your uh, pupils and things like that. And it goes from one to five, one to four, one to six. And so the best score you can get is 15. And I scored a one in each of those characters. Wow. Which would wow. be a three. So I was the worst. And so, I mean, I did my research to know what all this was because I mean, because of my brain injury, I don't remember anything. And so I, I did a research on what happened to me. Kind right. Of. Right. Yeah. Wanting to understand it. And yeah. so, so how, when doctors, you know, called your your family, reached out to your family, how bad was it? What were they saying about your chances in those moments? It sounds obviously incredibly serious. Well, uh, yes. First it was my employer that, that called my dad and he called my dad and he's like, Hey, I don't mean to pry in someone's personal business, but your son hasn't shown up for three days of work. And that's just not like Luke. And my dad's like, no, it's not. He's like a starving actor in, in California. He needs that job. And so he knew something was wrong. So my parents and and sisters and brother, they were like calling um, hospitals, all these different doctors. Wow. He's not here. No, he's not here. He's not here. Finally, they called the sheriff and they're like, he's at LA County Hospital. And they're like, we called that hospital. So they finally, finally, long story short, they finally got a hold of the doctor and um, my dad, he was on a business ministry trip uh, in Texas uh, and he was about to board, board the plane flight back to Florida, Tampa, Florida. And he talked to the doctor and the doctor said, um, told him my injuries, that I had the surgery. That I'm in ICU, and he told them, uh, "I can't tell you what's going to happen with him. You just need to get here right away." Wow. Because, yeah, he might. It, I can't tell you what what's going to happen. And so my dad, 
changed his his plane to go to California. Um, and so the they were gracious to to switch him over, get him first class because I know his situation. And um, and my dad, he tells me that through the whole plane flight, he was he was crying. And when he lands, the, the guy next to him pats him on the back. He's like, see, there, there. Flying's not so bad. But had, oh, like, gosh. Has no idea that he's dealing with the worst possible thing a parent could yeah, face. My, my, dad's like, my dad's like, no, no. I fly all the time. I'm not scared of flying. My son, he's at the hospital, and he might not make it. And the guy's like, well, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it's like not what I was thinking. Yeah, it, it's so this so this whole time your family doesn't know. That's crazy. I didn't know that either, that these days went by and it's your boss who's calling and being like, Luke's not showing up. And that's how they I mean, I a parent in that situation would be freaking out. Obviously, you're calling all around. You're trying to figure it out. Where is he? They find you. They get there. What happens next? I mean, I'm sure he's he's getting to the hospital thinking, oh, my gosh, my son might not make it. What kind of happens in the days and weeks that follow? Uh, well, my my mom, she flies over as well. So most of my parents are at my bedside. Um, I have like this huge bandage or not. A, it was a bandage around my head because of my surgery. My head was swollen like my parents say it's like double its regular size uh, just because of the, the swelling and tubes of a trachea uh and actually at that time i think i had a mouth tube uh, they didn't perform a surgery for that and all these different tubes and things like that that's going on with me and and uh basically they did the best thing that they could for me the thing that they needed to do for me and the only thing they could have done was they prayed, they read scriptures, they they sang praise, and just at my bedside again and again and again. Their their schedule was they'd wake up, um, and and my my employer uh, he was so gracious that he got them a hotel to stay at. Wow. Um, and so they would get up at the hotel at 4 a.m., make sure to beat L.A. traffic to get by my bedside, and they would be at the hospital praying, reading scripture, and singing praise over me, believing in my healing all day long. And um, my my dad says that he, when he was in the, the flight over my bedside, the scripture rose up in him, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give abundant life. And he's like, I believe that. You, Satan is trying to kill and steal my son, but he's not finished with this destiny that he has on earth. And so I, I'm just believing that God's going to give him this abundant life. And his mindset wasn't, wasn't oh, God, if it's your will— heal my son his mindset was this is a fight i'm in a fight right now 
for my son's life. And Satan's trying to take my son and I'm not going to let it happen. And so my mother joined on with him and agreed with him. And they, my, my father in ministry, and he, he told everyone, he's like, this is how I want to pray for my son, complete healing. Um, I love you, but if you cannot agree with me and complete healing of my son, then you don't need to pray. And I was like, dang, that's intense to sell, to tell someone if they don't agree with you, don't pray at all. I was like, that's, that's uh, yeah, but, but that's the intensity of faith though, to that connection, because here's the thing you're talking about, you know, we, and we know what the enemy does, right. And, and stealing and destroying. And, and you think about the fact that in those moments, it wasn't just whether you were going to live or die. It was also when, if, and if you did live, what was that going to look like, right? You have that uncertainty too, because a traumatic brain injury could mean all sorts of things. I mean, you're a walking miracle in every way. Uh, the the worst, uh, 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 GCS of three is is the worst. And with dilated and fixed pupils, they're um, medically, you have almost no chance of survival. And it would be a miracle if you lived in a vegetative state, a miracle. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, um, it's, it's just remarkable of, of God's grace and mercy um, with his um, healing power over me uh, and answering hundreds of thousands of people that were praying over me. So I'm just very, yeah very blessed how did so what i don't know what your faith was like before this it sounds like you grew up in a, in a christian family you know or at least at this point your dad was in ministry it sounds like um so you could take me through that but how did this change you what did it show you about god and miracles i'm just curious to know that part of the journey um well before i mean Yes, I grew up in a Christian home. We were missionaries to Nigeria, Africa, and growing up. Um, but once I left home and was out on my own in college, all that sort of stuff, I started started growing this mentality um, that I'd be this this perfect Christian to be right with God. Like everything had to be aligned correctly, uh, and if I don't read my Bible every day, if I don't pray every day, if I don't tithe every last penny, um, all these sort of things, then then I'm I'm uh, I'm not right, and and so I'm just like just growing this image that I have to be perfect, you know, this perfect Christian guy to be right with God and loved by God, and and so I mean, let's just be honest, every day you you don't do all those things right because we're humans right yeah (laughs) and so i just felt like i wasn't good enough so but i would still strive for that because i knew the truth and so i'd go to church and things like that but when i was out with my coworkers and friends and stuff um i would party and i would drink and i i'm the funny drunk so uh the funny drunk you know it's He's a great guy. He's a great to have around. Oh, right. let's invite Luke because right. he's gonna, so he's gonna be he's gonna be a show and it's gonna be fun. Uh, and so that's that was like 
my alter image is like Luke's fun when he gets drunk. Let's have let's hang out with Luke kind of thing. Um, so and I so I felt kind of like required to be funny and this this drunk slob. And so like I was like it was like a battle that was going on within me because I knew it was wrong. And then I go to church, but then I didn't feel like I was right at church because I was it's, it's a push and, and pull, then, right? It's that push and pull back and forth, like, right? Like, turmoil and and my when I last when I went and visited my family for my sister's wedding in December, and my dad dropped me back off the airport. Um, he says I started tearing up, and because I didn't want to leave, because I was battling depression so that it was like driving me is driving me insane not belonging in with the christian churches and then not belonging at, in the world feeling so, convicted in the world right feeling convicted about yeah, so, so i was you, just i was just like what so you um so that that is really helpful to hear kind of like that was your life before the accident, the accident happens. I cannot imagine the kind of recovery you had to go through the things that you, relearning things I would imagine. Um, and I want to talk to you about that, but, um, how has it changed your faith? All of that flashing forward now, seven years, I believe it's been, um, how has that, how has that changed for you? Um, well, One thing that's interesting is is before the accident, if someone told me, write down who you know God is, write down his characteristics, um, I would write down um, teacher, uh, discipliner, uh, a protector. So it would it, like... I would write down characteristics of more of like an Old Testament God. But now that I've experienced God's grace and mercy and love and kindness, I would write down more of those. I've just like, I come to a greater understanding of who God is and the, the part of God who like, of course, uh, pastors have preached those kind of characteristics, but it just like fully didn't, I, I didn't know who that God was. I didn't know yeah. him. And so once I've experienced and I'm like, and then fully understanding that we're saved by grace and it's nothing we can do to earn. It's grace and mercy. And, and that's, that's, all of us in the world. So I was just, um, so that's who I, I finally, um, and, and then it just grew because now after partially, I think it's like me relearning life again or how to read, write, walk everything again. Man. And so then jumping into the word and reading the word, it was like, cause I wanted to read the word because I was like eager. I was like, I want to know more about this God who healed me and why he would heal me because I wasn't right. 
with him or the world or anywhere. I wasn't, I didn't fit. I was like this oddball. I just, and so why would God heal me? So I was just like, I was so eager to know who God was. And it was a lot different than reading the Bible when I was growing up. Cause I was reading the Bible growing up. It was like a chore. It was like, Luke, did you clean your room? Yes. Did you read the Bible? <laughs> Not yet, but I'm about to. So right. it was like, more. It's growing up, but now it wasn't a chore. It was like me really, I want to read it. I want to know the, the word, know who God is. And it was life to me. Um, and I feel like, I feel like it's, it's different when you're seeking God to know him, he reveals himself to you. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I so, know that that's, that is powerful. And one of the things that is so interesting to me is that the movie, the favorite, the fact that obviously you're in the film. Um, and again, I saw the movie, not knowing your backstory. So that's the th part that's so crazy to me. Um, because the the movie obviously deals with a situation very similar to yours and to what you really went through. Um, and what I found fascinating was reading more about how this story came to you, this story for the favorite. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because to me, that is so fascinating that not only you, you said you had to learn to walk, to write, to read, all the things you had to learn again, and then you go and you write a screenplay. So, so like, take me through that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, because of my traumatic brain injury, um, sleeping is is very difficult for me. Um, I take melatonin, which people who take melatonin sleep know melatonin doesn't help you really. You don't really stay asleep because of melatonin. It makes you tired, but really doesn't make you go to sleep. But I wasn't taking melatonin or anything like that, and I was just struggling to sleep. Um, but one night, I fell into this deep sleep, and I had this very vivid dream. Um, some of you might have happened, had it before, a dream that you feel like it, you're really there. You're like you're watching the, the this all take place in front of your eyes, like real life. And it was between these two brothers. And there was like several several Sibyl. Sibling. That, that word gets me because I never say the word sibling. So I'm with you. I'm always like sibling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, yeah. Rivalry. I mean, I have I have five. I should know that name by now. <laughs> uh, uh, so so yeah, there was and the between the relationship and one he was an athlete he loved to go to church he was like this great stand-up guy everybody liked him and then his other brother who was kind of like the oddball and and in the shadows of his other brother and so he resented him and he didn't want to associate with him at all and so that was like the the stem of this this rivalry between them um and so that was my dream and of of the relationship between the brothers and the one brother is always in, uh, asking him like come to church with me come hang out with me and stuff like that and he's like no no i don't want to be around you and then the brothers are driving in my dream and a car accident happens and the good stand-up guy he gets all the same injuries that i that i had and through my dream, he has the same recovery and healing that I had. 
And in my dream, the other brother, he had the same realization that he doesn't have to be like his brother to be liked, that God loves him just the way he is. And when I woke up the next morning, I was so excited because I was rested. I slept solid and hard <laughs> all night long, and I was energized, and I was telling my my parents, my brothers and sisters, the dream over and over and over and over again. And it was good that I repeated the dream over and over again verbally so I didn't forget it. It's quickly. amazing you remembered it in the first place. I can't remember a dream I know. ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remembered it, and it was just good that I immediately just started, like, telling my dream over and over again so it just never left. Uh, and then I went to uh, church that Sunday and shared my testimony gentleman came up to me and said, I believe God is telling me you need to write a book or a script about your story. And I was like, oh, my goodness, my dream. It is my story, but it's the two brothers. Right. And God wants me to do this. So I, was, so I just, like, determined. God wants me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write it and write it. And, um, yeah, I was, like, day and night. Couldn't really sleep at night. And so I wrote, wrote, wrote. All day long, I wrote, wrote, wrote. And, um I wrote the the first draft. It was like 88 pages. Um, eventually, it was it was typed because my parents saw, and so they got me the final draft format to type it up. Um, yeah, 88 pages in a month. And um, and the thing is, is like even without a traumatic brain injury, I was never the writer. I was the math guy, and I've never written something even in college more than like. 30 pages definitely not I saw an an 88 page script I'm just like wow I cannot believe that <laughs> and and um and got it off to um a local producer and they they told they told um us that um well the script it needs a lot of work but the thing is is it's work that's worth doing because you got something here. And so oh, that, must that, been, that must have been amazing to hear. Yeah, that was that was encouraging. And 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 I would just I just thought to myself, I was like, well, I've never written a script. I'm not a very good writer. Like, because and I have a damaged brain. So I need all the help I can get. So I just kept on like seeking out like people to help me, like read it, give me notes, read it, give me notes, give me notes, give me notes, give me notes. And I heard that um, a lot of new writers, their biggest problem is like asking other people for help. And I was like, well, good thing I didn't have that problem. Like, oh, You're like, help me, somebody help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me. <laughs> like, tell I love me that. Well, so, and the final product, the final product is the film, which, you know, I, I watched it on Pure Flix. Other people can watch it. It's streaming right now on Pure Flix. And you're in the, you star in the film. So like that, that the crazy, like full circle thing is that this story happened to you. The injuries happened to you. You're in this story playing that other brother, the one who doesn't get injured. Right. Um, and how was that process for you? Was that, what was that like to kind of get to step into that role in that dream that you had? Well, um, well, I, even writing it, I always, I always thought like I'd play one of the brothers and eventually, eventually some people 
like when we got started becoming reality, they thought, didn't think I was going to play one of the bigger roles kind of thing. And eventually it was like, Luke, pray and you decide who you're going to be. And I, I was like, God wants me to play my greatest miracle. And that's what I'm going to play. And that is what happened to me spiritually and the realization of God's love and mercy. Uh, and so that's, that's the role I played. Um, and, um, you know, the, this process has just been very growing and so much of learning, so much learning because in rehab, I was relearning things, but through this process, I've never done. So I was just learning new things and, and relying on God to instill the information I needed to know. Um, and I was, I was just focused and driven. And a lot of people, I mean, during the production, they were concerned with me and my injuries, me getting, seeing like the hospitals and stuff like that, me getting like, remembering some things and having like panic attacks or anything like that. And I was like, don't need to worry. Trust me. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I, I just, I just see strangely like God aligned everything. And, and uh, the biggest questions I kept on thinking was like, why did God give me a miracle? Uh, why me? And yeah. and then I, I heard a pastor preaching of like why miracles happen, and I was like I was like I tuned into that because I was like why you want to know you want to understand yeah, yeah. and and the whole message was miracles happen the reason miracles happens to glorify God that's the purpose behind them is to glorify God and and I was thinking. Well, God was glorified, even if I didn't write the the script, even if it didn't become a movie, God was glorified because there were people saved just seeing me recover at the hospital. So God was glorified. But me obeying God with writing the script, I wasn't I wasn't fully recovered because of my traumatic brain injury. I was cleared to leave the hospital and things like that, but I was still tacky with my thinking process and cognitive ability. But me obeying God and seeking out to write this script and do what I thought he wanted me to do, his will for me to do, um, I recovered for much further than I probably would have if I just did my own thing. Um, so I just look back and I'm like, I didn't know that that was happening, but but one reason why I believe God wanted me to write the script was because he wanted to continue to heal me. Yeah. And so through my obedience, um, God gave me a, a, a greater healing. So my last question for you is what do you want people to take away from the favorite after they watch the film? We've obviously talked about a lot of themes here, a lot of things that you've gone through. And I think there's a lot of lessons in this, but what's your big hope for people who watch it? Well, um, just how I, I realized that it was, it's not just me, 
who feel like they're not good enough for God or they're an oddball or they don't quite fit in in society or whatever like that. And they're just not liked or they're not loved, all those sort of things. I want them to to grasp and come to the understanding that they are God's favorite, that God loves them unconditionally. It's not it's not what you can will do or what you have done that affects his love. It's unconditional. It's unshakable. And um, and you're you you come to know him. You're saved by grace. And God is a relational God. And he he wants to have a relationship with you. So that's what I want people to take away of of and grow to understand God's love and mercy and that you're his favorite. Listen, I, I so appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing this. Your story is incredible. You are a walking miracle. I think when people talk about whether or not miracles exist, encountering people like you makes it very hard to claim that they don't. So I appreciate you sharing and anybody who wants to watch the film, the favorite head over to pureflix.com. You can watch it uh, right now. It's streaming there. And thanks again for your time. Thank you, Billy. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're back with the end of our Pure Flix podcast. I am super excited about today's show. I think having the chance to hear a story about somebody's miracle, right? It's always encouraging to me. I think a lot of us have questions. Sometimes we have doubts about our faith, maybe. And one of the most confirming things for me is hearing people's stories, not only of transformation, obviously the way Jesus can change us, but when the odds are stacked against us, when it looks like we are not going to make it, when when somebody you love is facing something that seems insurmountable and somehow they're able to get over that mountain, somehow they're able to be healed, to find healing, to find restoration, those are the moments that you really see God at work, and it really just affirms our faith. And so I think Luke's story is one of those stories. So head over to pureflix.com, watch The Favorite. If you don't have Pureflix, you can grab a free trial over at pureflix.com today. Now, I want to close out with a Bible verse. This is going to be a new habit we have on the show here, which is just to leave you with truth, something encouraging, something powerful. And the verse I'm going to read is 1 Chronicles 16.11. It reads, Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. So no matter what you face in the coming days, look to the Lord for strength and always seek him out. Thanks so much for tuning into the Pure Flix podcast. Again, head over to insider.pureflix.com for more daily inspiring content and head over to pureflix.com if you're looking for great Christian and family-friendly entertainment. I'll see you guys next week. 
That's all for today's podcast. You can follow PureFlix on Facebook at facebook.com slash PureFlix and on Twitter at PureFlix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family-friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix Podcast.